There's a lovely hadith about Aisha in Bukhari and Muslim where Aisha radiallahu anha recounts an experience she had on Eid with the Prophet She says, Allah's apostle invited me on the day of Eid to watch the Abyssinians who were playing in the mosque, displaying their skill with spears. He asked, would you like to watch? I answered, yes. So I stood behind him and he lowered his shoulder so I can put my chin on it. I did and leaned with my face on his cheek and watched. Eventually, he asked me several times if I wanted to leave and I replied every time, please wait. I wasn't interested in watching really, but on that day, I wanted women especially to know my status with him and therefore appreciate a young lady's keenness to be playful. A playful, witty wife with a strong personality. Musa bin Talha said, I have not seen anyone more eloquent than Aisha radiallahu anha. Aisha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, was known for her level of scholarship, her love for the Prophet sallallahu her love for Islam, yet many conversations about her life center around the age in which she got married to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. How can we come to terms with this considering how we view marriage today? But more importantly, what are we missing by reducing her story and contributions to simply a number. Welcome to Double Take, a podcast by Yaqeen Institute about the questions and ideas around Islam and Muslims that give us pause. Remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Mohammed Zaudan, and today on the show, we're taking a look at the life and marriage of our mother Aisha radiallahu anha. And with me is Sister Noor ad Knight, author of the paper, The Woman Behind the Number, The Irrelevance of the Age of Aisha radiallahu anha. Sister Noor ad completed a master's in psychology with a focus on child and family from Columbia University. Uh, and alongside her, her degree, she studied traditional Islamic knowledge, including Islamic law, theology, spirituality, and prophetic biography. She's also the author of 40 hadith of our mother Aisha radiallahu anha, a collection of 40 hadith narrated from our beloved sage, scholar, and the wife of the Prophet, peace be upon him, Lady Aisha radiallahu anha. Sister Nur al-Din Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Double Take. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, this topic, uh, uh, several topics that we, we cover on this show uh, make their way onto the dinner table at home. But this topic specifically, uh, my, my wife is like uh, fan number one of, uh, of Aisha radiallahu anha and of your work. And uh, inshallah, today we can cover her marriage, of course, to the Prophet sallallahu um, but also who she was as a woman, her contributions um, why she's so important to to Islam uh, and to our tradition. Um, and before we talk about her marriage and before we talk about her contributions, why in your mind do you feel people have placed such an emphasis on her age? What what is what is sought after by focusing on that number? Alhamdulillah, we are grateful to be on the podcast and to have an opportunity to talk about Lady Ayusha. 
So why is there a focus on her age? Well, I will start the whole conversation by saying Allah right? Ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Uh, from my view, the focus on her age is simply because it is so um, culturally different. Um, and even if we want to say something a bit stronger, culturally reprehensible in our time in the West. And so it becomes a focal point as to why the Prophet would marry Aisha anha at such a young age in our view. Um, and, and I want to say that, you know, alhamdulillah, Islam is here to address any, um, any given society, any given time. Uh, and at the same time, the critics of Islam are also going to have their particular criticisms based in the time that they are in. Um, the Prophet ﷺ, during his lifetime, then there were hypocrites, people who uh, pretended to be Muslim but were not truly Muslim. And they saw a line of attack through Lady Aisha by accusing her of adultery at that time. Uh, something that was deeply shameful, something especially for someone of her status that for them would be socially reprehensible. Um, and so that was their line of attack. Of course, this was not something she did, but that was a way for them to attack the Prophet Um And similarly, this is seen almost at that level in our society. And so it's a line of attack for those who um, are non-Muslim and want to attack Islam and the Prophet And to be fair, it's also a point of discomfort for those of us who grow up in the West with our, um, you know, own cultural um, norms. It's so different from that that it, it it's uneasy, and so we seek further explanation. You know, so I mean, they accuse of the Prophet of many things, uh, Quraysh, but they but they never accused him of marrying. Um, a child. Um, uh, that kind of line of argument has only come up recently, you know, over the last hundred years or so. Um, and I guess it, it sits uncomfortably with some Muslims, but also uh, it's a line, obviously, of attacking the Prophet with regards to, to some non-Muslims as well. Um, we're going to talk more about the marriage um, towards the end of this episode, because I, I do want to give it um, justice and, and focus on it. But I also want first, if you don't mind, to talk more about Aisha. Like what, before we get to that number, what are we missing when we, when we start off a conversation or focus a conversation around her age? What is it about Aisha that is so important that we must un- kind of read into her life and understand? So who is Aisha, if you don't mind me asking, um, after your research and after, you know, um, uh, putting a book together about her her hadiths. Um, who is Aisha in your mind? And who is she to the millions of, of Muslim women and men um, who appreciate her as, as, our, as our mother? Alhamdulillah, subhanAllah. Uh, this is one of the ironies of focusing on her age is that Aisha radiallahu anha, even by non-Muslim standards, would be seen as such a role model, especially in our times. 
um, we we appreciate and we sort of put on a pedestal women who are leaders, women who are able to fight back against injustice, uh, women who stand up for themselves and others. And that's the kind of person that she was and those are traits that we really appreciate in the West. Uh, she also had traits that are timeless and, and are beloved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so just being generous. There are stories of Lady Aisha where she would give away so much of her wealth, really all of her wealth, to the point that she didn't have enough to buy any food for her own self. Um, she was so concerned with with her faith and so concerned with uh, being pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with, uh, with the next life that she really lived her whole life in devotion. Um, we, we mentioned this incident where she was accused of adultery. And yeah. one of the things that I love about sort of the resolution of that story, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clears her name in the Quran, is that it is a moment where she has this opportunity to show that this faith is truly her own. Um, this devotion, this love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is truly her own because in that moment, until revelation, she couldn't depend on the Prophet um, in the same way that she was used to. She couldn't depend on her father, Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhu. Um, there was really no one who could come to her aid in the way that she needed until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did. Um, so there's such a strength in her faith from that story that any Muslim going through any hardship can appreciate um subhanallah the way that she lived you know we think of Aisha and how um as someone who as we mentioned stood up for people and she was um very vocal at the same time she was incredibly humble um Aisha and how she gave up the place in which um she was likely going to be buried for Omar, which would have been between her father and the Prophet. Um, so she was she was such a generous character, and any Muslim would admire her for for all of her traits. And as I mentioned in the beginning, any non-Muslim would also admire many of her traits that we appreciate in our culture. So in terms of scholarship, uh, we could really focus on that aspect of her life. Um, she narrated so many hadiths. Um, but one area that I think is is actually quite refreshing um, is her personality. She was witty. She was playful. Um, she was also pretty strong. Like she um, she stood up for, for her rights, for women's rights. Um, there's a hadith, um, the, the hadith in uh, Bukhari where the the Prophet ﷺ is narrated to have said, and there's two different hadiths actually about um, the uh, the prayer being nullified if there's a if there's a woman or a dog or a donkey that walks in in front of the in front of the man, and according to Abdullah ibn Ubaidillah ibn Umair, he said um, when when she was asked about that narration. That she said, "How dare you?" Words to the effect of, "How dare you equate women to these animals, to a dog and a donkey?" And and then she went on to say that actually the Prophet ﷺ at home would pray, and I was lying down like the way you know in perpendicular, like the way the uh, the corpse is in a janazah prayer, in between him and the qibla. So so it just sounds to me like 
she was a woman unlike many other women at the time like she stood up for um for what she believed in she was vocal um and she she had a lot to say um so it, is my understanding correct cuz i'm just relating my my wife's understanding who's brainwashed me saying look you know we <laughs> women women also have a spine and they have an opinion and they can be vocal look at aisha is that correct like um is is that who she represents um as an example of someone who who stands up for their rights who is vocal um and who is very much part of wider society absolutely that that is absolutely what she represents and i want to also make the point that um it's a bit of a, a falsehood and a false notion to even claim that it, i'm not saying you're making this claim but this idea that we have that all muslim women were quiet and meek and didn't speak up for themselves um aisha radiallahu anha was clearly not one of those women but but there's also an interesting um sort of a historical point from Sira that the women of the Ansar were different from the women of Mecca and they were apparently uh, a bit more vocal as well so Allahu alam perhaps that's why she uh, that's where she got some of her personality from being uh, there for so much of her life and yeah there there are Aisha radiallahu anha what i think is valuable to say because it can be tempting to say wow subhanallah she's almost like an activist standing up for women's rights which i think is fine to say but it's also really valuable to realize that what she said and whenever she corrected someone it was rooted in knowledge it wasn't merely rooted in um a personal perception of something being right or wrong and this is why other companions also depended on her i, I want to share um another incident of her life where um there was an argument between two companions this is after the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam um so uh, one day omar heard that uh, amr ibn umayya had given a roll of cloth to prostitutes who were excluded from society because of their morals and he became very angry Omar told Amr that such charity would not be accepted by God so then they start arguing and they say you know what let's go to Aisha <laughs> right you know Aisha would know so they honor her knowledge um and then she says as God is my witness yes i heard so this is Amr saying um for the sake of God i want to i want you to tell us didn't you hear the messenger of God saying the things you give them are considered as alms for you too and Aisha's reply was clear as God is my witness i heard and then Omar said okay you know if this is what Aisha is saying then we believe her um so that is really valuable because that's the balance that we see in Aisha yes she was vocal but she was also incredibly modest yes she stood up for um other people's rights perhaps in particular women but it was rooted in knowledge and and on that point of knowledge uh, i think one of the companions abu musa was was narrated to have said that there was never a a topic um that we had except that aisha radiyallahu anha had a had an opinion on in the sense that like she she had knowledge of um since she witnessed so many of those hadiths and narrated the, so many of those hadiths so definitely her scholarship's there her her wits there the personalities there 
um, I guess that activism is there. Is there um, wisdom in your in your studies? Um, is there wisdom for her, kind of as a role model with someone who doesn't have children, um, and therefore I guess had the time, um, if you don't mind me saying, to to be part of wider society, like, um, and and she wasn't kind of uh, a, a woman who maybe fit the mold of many other women of the time who who was committed purely just to her household. Like she had that aspect of her life, but she also played a big role outside of her household as well. Yeah, subhanAllah, that's so important to acknowledge. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, and that kind of ties into, again, the irony of being distracted by her age because she is a woman that, um, again, I do believe that even non-Muslims would value. There are more conversations in our time in the West, in our culture, where we are asking if the asking and saying that women have roles beyond their household, that they are, they can contribute in society in different ways, that it's okay to, of course, be a mother, but it's also okay to not be a mother. You can make other contributions. And so, Allahu alam. Um, but subhanAllah, we do see that um, she was able to give her time to so many children. She was able to give her time and knowledge. She was able to give in charity and have so much focus on the outside world, perhaps in part because she did not have children of her own. And Allah Alam. In terms of her contributions, like beyond the life of the Prophet when he passed away, what did she contribute to future generations of Muslims? She contributed so much. Um, she herself, obviously, she was, she would be considered a scholar, woman of great knowledge. And she also made a point of teaching. A lot of her students were children. A lot of her students were women. Uh, we know that she had a particular admiration for the Ansari women. She said, um, and paraphrasing, uh, she essentially praised them for being able to maintain modesty while still seeking knowledge and not not letting their modesty keep them from seeking knowledge as sometimes uh, women can do. So having that example uh, of her person, but then also her legacy, her students lived on to be able to teach other people and so much of the preservation of Islam is owed to Lady Aisha radiallahu anha. That's such a huge point, Sister Nuruddin. Honestly, like you I just want to focus on that. The, the preservation of Islam, um, much of it, is due to her efforts and her, alhamdulillah, being able to to relay a lot of those experiences with the Prophet uh, We we hear about Aisha radiallahu anha in the hadith. Um, we learn a lot about her life, um, but also there's a reference to her in the Quran. Uh, and about a particular incident that happened to her, the slander of her. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevates her status by by clearing her name and, and referencing her inside the actual Qur'an. Do you mind just talking us through what happened um, and, and what do we take out from that whole experience? Yeah, subhanAllah. So um, this is a very famous incident so I do encourage um, listeners and viewers to um, look it up for themselves so they can read it in full 
But essentially, Aisha Radiallaha and how was accused of adultery. And this caused a lot of fitna in the community. This is the Medinan community at this time of people taking sides and what really happened and just spreading rumors, spreading baseless rumors. And so, subhanAllah, at this time, Aisha radiallahu anha, um, I'll try not to do too many details, but she happened to be sick at the time. So she didn't really, she wasn't aware of what was happening. Um, and when she finally found out, she, she was in so much shock that people would say that about her. Because uh, imagine, she's not just the wife of the Prophet even before being the wife of the Prophet she's the daughter of Abu Bakr, of this noble man, of a noble family. This is not something she would dream of ever doing. And so it's, it's shocking to her and um, she notices that the Prophet isn't the same with her. Obviously the Prophet dealing with this issue himself and the difficulty of this issue. And then mm. these people who are Muslim accusing your your wife of this um, you know, horrible crime and sin, um, but they're saying they're Muslim, you know, so there's so much difficulty happening here. Um, so Aisha anha, she goes to her parents for a period of time and the Prophet he tells her, uh, he says to her, if you are innocent, Allah will bring your innocence to life. And if you are sinful, then repent and seek Allah's forgiveness. Aisha then turned to her parents to respond, um, but on her behalf, but they didn't respond. And so as we mentioned before, um, you know, there was no one to turn to in this incident. And so she says, uh, should I tell you I'm innocent and Allah knows surely I'm innocent. And if I were to admit something of which Allah knows I am innocent, you will believe me and I will have nothing to make recourse to except the words of the Prophet, of the father of Prophet Isa. Uh, so for me, patience is most fitting and it is Allah alone whose help can be sought against that which you assert. So that is chapter 12, verse 18. So SubhanAllah, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals verses in Surah Nur, and I'll just read two of them, 12 and 13. Um, and again, this is, SubhanAllah, Allah, not only, you know, he brought her through this hardship, but he also made it so that she would be an example for how do we deal with this kind of circumstance in the future. So verse 12 says, why when you heard it, did you not, did not the believing men and believing women think good of one another and say, this is an obvious mm. falsehood. And then 13, why did they slander not produce for it for witnesses when they did not produce the witnesses, then it is they in the sight of Allah who are liars. So subhanAllah, such a high status that is given to Lady Aisha radiallahu anha after this difficulty. Um, there, there's so much to say about this story, but I'll inshallah, I'll end with that. No, Zakallah khair. Um, there's so much to talk about Aisha radiallahu anha, but it just, like the fact that Allah mentions the story in the Quran, obviously clearly it was a big, big deal, but, there's a, but definitely that means that there's a lot of lessons to take away from that incident but from her life as well um and and the fact that we keep kind of gravitating towards her age um just you know this whole incident reminds us that there's there's so much more to her life and and we're doing ourselves a disservice by focusing on her age but 
can we go to the H? Because <laughs> I'd love for this episode to be a complete one. Um, let's just kind of uh, turn the page on her age, if you don't mind. Um, and uh, and you've you've obviously done a lot of research on her life, and and you've covered her marriage as well. Um, I've personally done a bit of research as well. Um, I'd love to to hear from you um, your take, because from where I sit. Um, and some people in my circle, I'm not saying I'm representative of most Muslims, but for me, you know, when I read that she, the Prophet ﷺ married um, Aisha and she was six, and then consummated the marriage when she was nine, you know, Allah forgive me, but it sits a little bit uncomfortably with me. Um, so I'd like to, to get your take. Um, why am I feeling uncomfortable? And should I be feeling uncomfortable? Well, <laughs> that, that's a, <laughs> that's a um, you know, I think it's hard to not feel uncomfortable from our from where we're sitting, right in the West. Um, sometimes we'll we'll have this saying in the West, "Oh, it's just cultural." Something is just cultural. But actually, culture is so much of what shapes us, and it's hard to remove. And subhanAllah, Islam is also not suggesting that we should remove it, right? It's not a mandate to marry at what we would consider to be an extremely young age. However, we do see that there is room for different cultures in different times um, and what people sort of believe is culturally uh, valuable to them. Um, in the paper, uh, or culturally appropriate for them, in the paper I talk about that even in the West, if you think about just the past 50 years, there's been a dramatic change between what we think is an appropriate age for uh, marriage and also what we think is an appropriate age for intimacy in general. The, those two things used to be tied together that you couldn't engage um, in in those relations with the opposite sex until marriage. And then we separated the two. And then we um, continuously change, well, what age is appropriate? And even today, there there isn't really a set age that people would say is appropriate for um, engagement in intercourse. Many would say, well, nine is too young. But if you ask, well, 13, you're going to have different opinions. 15, you're going to have different opinions. Um, so I think that we should recognize that in our society, even between my generation, my parents' generation, their parents' generation, there's been dramatic difference. So what do we think is going to culturally happen um, for between 1400 years and in a completely different place? Um, none of that means that, well, now I'm suddenly going to be comfortable with a nine-year-old getting married, but it does hopefully mean that if you can understand things can change so dramatically within a 50-year time period in the same country, um, what do we think is going to be the sort of uh, cultural differences um, and just time differences, you know, in, in such a long period in a different place, different time? Yeah, um, I get I get the whole cultural kind of argument or discussion, um, and actually it sits well with me in the sense that knowing that Aisha radhiyallahu was actually engaged even before the Prophet um, to Jubair ibn Mutam, I think it was. Um, I mean, it was it was clearly a cultural norm 
that that young younger women get um, get engaged or married. I I get the whole cultural thing, and actually, if it was culturally repulsive at the time, um, I mean, Quraysh would have found a way to mention it as part of their accusations towards the Prophet ﷺ, but clearly they didn't. So I mean, they argued that he was he was crazy and that he was a soothsayer, but they never they never argued that he he married a young woman. So culturally, I get that whole argument. Um, but as there's so much effort, I think, from so many scholars to bring her age up to actually negate the whole idea that she was she was in fact six or or nine. Um, some of them bring her up to to the age of nineteen. Um, they talk about. Uh, uh, her her witnessing uh, Uhud. They talk about her being ten years younger than her sister um, Asma radiallahu anha, um, and that the fact that she got married a year after Hijra, um, and her being at Uhud puts her up at something around nineteen. So there's there's a lot of arguments and a lot of effort um, and time expended to kind of bring her age up. Um, from many from many scholars, how do I reconcile all of these opinions, and and do I even need to? Um, that's a good question. You know, Subhanallah, I'm sure that the scholars who are having those discussions are far more knowledgeable than me. So, I'm definitely not going to say that there's no value in that discussion. Um, however, I guess what I would say and, and what I think is the difficult part of that discussion is that when we say her age is six and nine, this is coming um, as, as far as we know directly from Lady Aisha and so if we doubt this hadith, on what grounds do we doubt it? And that's something for hadith scholars to talk about. Um, Ustad Faraz Malik, he has an excellent paper as well in the same series where, um, subhanAllah, where he talks about, he kind of um, makes his case against, I believe, what he calls a, a sort of revisionist history. And again, I, it, for me, it's not really my place to get into that discussion. That's something for real scholars who, you know, really know hadith and know what they're talking about to discuss. Um, however, when we look at the life of Lady Aisha, um, first I want to say I agree with you that knowing she was engaged before, that sort of changes my view as well because it, it makes me say this is not a six. If, if she was in fact six, which again, I don't personally want to get into that discussion, but at the very least, we can say this is not a six-year-old like the six-year-old uh, like my niece, right? This is not the same kind of person. This is not a nine-year-old like my, um, you know, nine-year-old nieces. Um, she is clearly different. So there's a maturity there. And, you know, subhanAllah, these discussions are very difficult because we absolutely don't want to be on the side of just being culturally uh, relative. And I think for most Muslims, we really don't support marriage, most Muslims in the West, uh, we really wouldn't support a marriage at that age. Um, but I think that, subhanAllah, I think that the reconciling of the opinions, I will leave that to the scholars having that discussion. 
uh, whether or not we need to focus on it, it this is my, my personal uh, opinion, it really depends. If going through, you know, at Yakin, we had maybe five or so papers on this issue. If going through those papers, if believing that she was 18 uh, brings you comfort, Allah alam. I, I don't know, but there is a part of me personally, I could be completely wrong, that says that if that allows you to get past her age so you can get to her person, uh, perhaps there is value in that for an individual. Um, for me, her life is so much more than that moment that she got married. Uh, it's almost irrelevant if it wasn't for just our level of discomfort in terms of her life and her contribution. It really doesn't matter, except if we say, you know, alhamdulillah, she was young enough to, to give so much, to contribute so much. Uh, but outside of that, I personally don't see the value in focusing on whether she was nine or 18. And Allah alam. Jazakallah khair. Um, I have one last question. Imagine my nine-year-old niece comes up to you and says, Ustazah Nuruddin Nai, you've done an extensive research on the life of Aisha radiallahu anha. Um, tell me what I learn if I study her life. And you've only got a few seconds to explain it to my nine-year-old niece. SubhanAllah. Um, so perhaps the one thing I would say is that it is so valuable and you, you can be a voice, you can be a give, give your contribution to society while also having this balance of humility and love for others and giving towards others. And I think that, that, that is something that we're kind of missing sometimes. We want to be more, you know, let's be in public and contribute to society. And, and that's great. But we also need to have the balance of not having an ego attached to that, but having the balance of humility and that everything we're doing is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so to simplify that, have the balance of, yes, standing up for yourself, standing up for others, but also being humble enough to give and learn from others and ultimately love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sister Nuruddin Knight, thank you so much for joining uh, Double Take. Jazakallah khair. I, I really appreciate your work. And I have to say, many people who have written about the topic have focused on her age, um, you know, whether she was six or nine or 19. There are differences of opinions. Um, you went, I say, a step further and focused on Aisha radiallahu anha. Uh, as a person and all the lessons we can take from her without without brushing the age um, but uh, but putting the age in context um, so thank you so much um, for those who haven't read the article uh, make sure you you look into yaqininstitute.org for for sister Nuruddin's work thank you so much sister thank you